you're watching the Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, make sure you follow on all social media platforms. What's going on? You're here with the Justin Henry Show today, August 18th, and we got some major news out. Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for 11 games, fined $5 million. They've set it in stone. It's been settled. No more clouds hanging over. We have our answers. I'm going to dial into what that means for Browns players, what that means in general for, for anybody fantasy football-wise, if you're looking into the Browns players, what that means, um, and kind of go extensively into that. And then also, going to go into tight ends too. So I'm going to dial in on the tight ends, not the top four. I think we kind of know who that is, and I'll explain a little bit later. And I also want to answer any questions you guys have. So make sure you guys use the hashtag AskJHen, um, and I'll get you your guys' questions. But for today, to talk a little bit about the preseason games, Seahawks and Bears are on the schedule. I don't really care too much about it. But week two is here, so I do want to talk about preseason week two and what you need to take away from that because there's going to be some changes to the lineups. We're going to see new players, new storylines. We all heard Pickens last week, so we're going to see some new storylines. But first, as I hit my camera and get it all straight, uh, we got to get into it, man. Um, so this section is always called This Justin. This is breaking news. And yes, Deshaun Watson has been suspended for 11 games, bumped up from the original six, and not quite the 17 that the, the NFL wanted. So the NFL decided to meet in the middle. Deshaun Watson met in the middle. They got him an additional fine. He will be playing this season for the Cleveland Browns, and it starts week 13 against the Houston Texans. You could not write the script any better than that. Um, I think the, the punishment, if the NFL agrees, Deshaun Watson agrees, he pays the fine. I'm beyond all that. Now it's time to get to what's on the field and how it impacts the Browns team. If you are betting the Browns this year, you can still get really good odds on them. I don't think it's a smart move. Uh, coming back, he's going to miss 11 games. Deshaun Watson is going to need a couple games just to get uh, remotely settled in and and, and fine-tuned on his, on his ability. So for me, I'm not really high on the Browns this year. I know there's a few people taking them as long shots. If he would have been playing, you know, after six games, I might have sprinkled a little something on there, felt a little bit more comfortable. But he's going to miss most of the season. The last six games are going to just be fine tuning. I don't see the Browns really making a playoff push. They have a, a pretty hard back end of the schedule. So to me, um, unless they're sitting around six wins when Deshaun gets back week 13, I'm not really trusting them. So I think you can get better odds later in the year if you're really wanting to bet the Browns. But to me, I am out, even with the news. So uh, what does this mean for fantasy? Like, we talk fantasy football all the time on this podcast. I'm going to get to the fantasy relevance of this here in just a minute. Uh, but we have preseason football tonight. It's week two. It's Seahawks and Bears. And one of the things about preseason football is that it gives people an opportunity to see younger players, players in different roles. The coaching staff gets a chance to evaluate and really kind of take their time on these guys. My only thing is just don't stress too much on these games, man. Like we're watching preseason week two. If you're drafting for fantasy, this doesn't mean that your team is going to do something crazy, that a certain player is automatically going to become a superstar because they had a few nice plays in preseason. Temper your expectations. And also, when we're talking betting and we're talking regular season futures, just take a look at usage. I think more so than anything, that's we're not looking at the scores or who wins or who had hell of games. 
most of these guys are be playing about a half of football at best. The starters are. So this is really an evaluation period for how does the offensive play work? What kind of talent do we have on the team? Can a guy step into a role or is he not going to be effective? Are young guys, can they play up against first string, second string competition? Ease up. Ease up on it, man. Tonight, just enjoy the game. This weekend's going to be big. I'll talk about games tomorrow with uh, guest Cody. We were originally scheduled to have uh, Ronnie Evans on from Gridiron Ratings. Unfortunately, he had a, a flight today. So it'll just be me talking to you through the screen. So hopefully you enjoy my voice and enjoy the rest of the show I got for you, man. But, yeah, that's the major news of the day, especially when it comes to uh, Deshaun Watson, man. And this team is just – it's not going to be a good football team. Like, they're going to win seven to ten games max. Like, I could see maybe ten games if, if everything went right. But to me, this is more like a seven-win type team, especially when um, Jacoby Brissett's going to be starting. The defense is good. The run game is good. So, it'll keep them in games. But, I mean, even with Baker, they struggled last year at times. To me, I just don't see it. So, we're going to get off of this, Justin, a little shorter segment today because we got a lot to talk about with the Zero RB, the fantasy football portion of this show. And I'm going to dive into what this means for Browns players, the Deshaun Watson ruling, what it means for the Browns players, the skill players in fantasy football, because I think it's very important. Uh, what this means for Deshaun Watson is that he's not useful in redraft. I, I don't want any part of it. I'm not holding him on my roster. By week 13, when he comes out, a lot of times you've already established whether you're a playoff team or not. And week 10, if you're feeling good and you need a quarterback, go ahead and pick him up. But for me, four games is not enough to pick up Deshaun Watson and start him over somebody who's going to help me get there. Uh, yeah, he has top five upside when he plays, but that's also over a whole season. And I do think we have to see him kind of work into this offense. Week 13, week 14, week 15, I'm not putting in Deshaun Watson in fantasy playoffs. So if somebody else wants to do that, more power to him. I may hold him if I feel really good about my, my lineups week 10 and I'm looking at it like, ooh, a couple games away, I'm going to stash him. That's fine. But I'm not drafting him. He's not touching my redraft roster. And I'm a pretty risky fantasy player. Like, I take chances on, on people like uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins in a lot of leagues. Deshaun Watson's too far out. 11 games is too far out to be a part of your redraft strategy, and actually it's 13 weeks because of the buy. So just remember that when you're when you're keeping tabs on, you know, is Deshaun Watson viable? I'm not touching Deshaun Watson in redraft. Now, in Dynasty, that's a different story. I do think he's a strong Dynasty asset to go get. A lot of people are already kind of fading him just based off of the nature of his suspension and his sexual assaults and everything like that. So if you can go get him at a, at a lower price – you know, if we're just talking straight fantasy, that's a, a deal I would go do. I would go try to buy low right now because when he plays, we've seen it. Deshaun Watson's a top five to seven quarterback. Like, you can't deny the talent on the field. This season might even be a struggle. So if you want to wait a few games or you're talking to a win-now team and you want to make a deal, make sure you take that into account. But he's going to be with the Browns for a long time. He signed a long deal. They gave him guaranteed money. He's going to be the quarterback of that team, and they're going to put pieces around him. They just re-signed Nick Chubb. They just re-signed – David Njoku, they just traded for Amari Cooper, who I assume is going to be there for the next three to five years. I think it's all setting up perfectly for Sean to have a nice career in Cleveland, even though the division is tough. Speaking of the players, what does that mean for the running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Even with Jacoby Brissett, I don't think that there's any issue with, with the run game. The offense is going to go through Nick Chubb in the run game. Kareem Hunt's still going to see some checkdowns from Brissett. So the running backs to me are pretty even kill. I don't really see a huge uptick for either of them. I like them at their spots. I'm not fading them, and I'm not reaching for either of them. They're both going to be fine in fantasy. I think that they both have solid seasons this year. Kareem Hunt as a potential RB3 flex option, and then Nick Chubb as a back-end RB1. I, I can see this happening all day long. So 
I'm not concerned at all about the Browns running backs. Now, where I am concerned is the wide receivers, right? Amari Cooper got traded to the Browns, and we're thinking, okay, he's going to have this elevated level of play with Deshaun Watson. It's not going to happen this year. Like, it's going to take a while. I see Amari Cooper being more of a back-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three this season, and he's going to be pretty inconsistent, especially with the play of Jacoby Brissett. So there's some other wide receivers there, too, David Bell, uh, Anthony Schwartz, obviously Donovan Peoples-Jones, and it's just not going to happen for those guys this year. So if you have them in Dynasty, you're free to hold. In redraft, I'm not targeting really any Browns receivers. I think there's better options at every single level. Amari Cooper, if he falls too far, if he gets in that back 25 to 30 range, then I'm considering it. But expect Amari Cooper's ADP to continue to fall down. Without Jacoby Brissett, I don't see it happening. But the good thing is when Deshaun Watson gets back, if things click early on, you may be able to get some value there out of Amari Cooper. So with the receivers, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I was expecting a major rebound. It looked like he was connecting with Watson. I'm fading him, especially in redraft. It's just not a lot of time that you have to sit on these players who aren't going to be at peak performance. The player I am excited about is David Njoku. I think he's going to have a solid season. Jacoby Brissett, even in, in Indy, favored his tight ends. He targeted his tight ends. He's a big part of the offense. So for me, I'm all over David Njoku this year. I think he keeps his value, and they signed him to a mega deal. They got to see what they got, man. He's got the body for it. He's got the framework, the athleticism. So we know he's going to be very, very good on the football field. We haven't seen it quite yet, and I think that payday means that they're going to be featuring him a little bit more this season. So even when Watson gets back, he can carry receivers and tight ends. We know that, but Brissett's a little bit more limited. I think Njoku will be a, a lot more consistent than the other Browns options. So – I'm not all in on these Brown options. The run game, the tight ends, I feel very good about. The receivers are all going to kind of take a step down for me. Um, and so to me, I'm just not really excited about this Browns team. They're playing a tough-ass division. Their schedule gets tougher as the season goes on. And most of them aren't going to be relevant until fantasy playoffs. So if you don't have any options up until then, um, you're going to be screwed. Like, you got to have talent playing on your team. And week 13 is just a lot too long to be trying to figure out is he good or is he bad? Is he going to be right this season or is he going to be kind of a shell of himself until next season? So fade, fade, fade these Browns, fade Deshaun Watson. He might as well have been suspended for a year when it comes to fantasy because he's not going to be relevant this season. What I do want to talk about, obviously I talked about David Njoku. I want to talk about these tight ends. I'm actually going to share my screen with you guys and go through uh, some of these tight end rankings because it's important to me. It's important to fit. It's important to see where these tight ends are, and how they can be utilized, right? So obviously the top five guys, we know the top five guys, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, George Kittle, Darren Waller. Some shape, form, or fashion, you probably got one of those guys in your first tier. I get it, right? Uh, to me, Kyle Pitts has unlimited upside. Travis Kelsey is going to be wide receiver one type numbers this year. I can see somewhere between like 1,200 to 1,400 yards with like 10 touchdowns, 100 catches. Like that all seems lock, like lock city to me, best tight end. I don't see a reason why he's not the top tight end. Uh, when I go to the other guys, Mark Andrews does tend to struggle a little bit more with Lamar, but he got paid. And then also he established himself as a top tight end last year. So can't fade him too hard. I liked George Kittle. I think he gets in the red zone a little bit more this year, but I could also see his yardage decreasing. And because they use him so much as a blocker, I had George Kittle ahead of Mark Andrews for a lot of the year, for a lot of the offseason, but I've, I've kind of scaled back on that, especially with Brandon Ayuk's emergence. 
Um, I just I think that George Kittle doesn't carry as much upside as a Mark Andrews does if everything connects, especially since they got rid uh, of Hollywood Brown. So to me, I, I I did have to move George Kittle down just a little bit. And then Darren Waller. Uh, obviously, he's you know, we've seen him have some monster monster seasons, monster usage for that Raiders team. But Devontae Adams is there. So what this means for him is I think the yardage is down. The receptions are down. But I still think he'll be really good in the red zone. So I'm not writing him off completely. He's just at the back end of my top five, maybe even behind Dalton Schultz if things didn't pan out. So I'm going to talk about the rest of these tiers, probably go up to about 20 tight ends and, and just talk about their values and where I have them and why I have them ranked the way I do, because it's a little bit different than a lot of guys have their rankings. So when I look at this first tier, I'm looking at Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz, right? So these guys are all uh, fantasy relevant tight ends, starters for most teams. I can see them all having great years. Um, with Dalton Schultz, I look at him as a guy who is going to be in a prime position now as the wide receiver too, essentially for the Cowboys, right? With injuries to Michael Gallup, um, you know, we've seen some some injuries across the board to that whole the whole team. And the, really the only receiver standing that's notable is CeeDee Lamb. So Dalton Schultz is going to step into that wide receiver two role until Michael Gallup gets back. And he's been a target of Dak Prescott. He finishes the top five tight end last year. So I see Dalton Schultz having a very good season. Uh, he wants a contract, too. He's in a contract year. They didn't give him the contract. So I see Dalton Schultz potentially even creeping up, like I said, past the Darren Waller with relevance. You can expect somewhere between that, you know, eight to 800 to 1,000 range when it comes to yardage. And about six to eight touchdowns as well. It's really good production at the tight end position. When I look at TJ Hawkinson, right, high draft capital. He's somebody that the, the Lions have said they want to feature. He had a really strong start to the season last year and then dealt with injuries, kind of just tailed off production-wise. When I look at TJ Hawkinson, I think that he has potential, but his floor is so low. That team is going to be invested in making sure DeAndre Swift gets going, Jamal Williams in the red zone as well. Amon Ross St. Brown had a really strong season. They brought in some other receivers to help, you know, ease things for Jared Goff and DJ Chark in the via free agency. Jamison Williams, first round draft pick, who we'll see later in the year. So that leaves TJ Hawkinson in an awkward position. It's like, you know, is he really going to break out with all these other young guys as well on the team? They're all hungry. We know Jared Goff is kind of limited when it's when it comes to passing. He's not going to be a 4,500 to 5,000 yard passer. So when I look at Hawkinson, I think he has a little bit of upside if everything works out. And they did say they want to get him more involved in the passing game. I'm just not buying him at Dalton Schultz or Darren Waller position. I think he's in that that a little bit lower in that tier. And then when I look at Dallas Goddard, it's kind of the same thing, right? Dallas Goddard, uh, all the talent in the world. We've seen him have you know good stretches of games. He struggled with staying healthy, but the team just brought in A.J. Brown. They just drafted First-round pick Jalen Rager, first-round pick Devontae Smith. Even though Rager is trash, it seems like they're trying to get their receiver game up for Jalen Hurts, and that doesn't mean more things for Dallas Goddard. They did trade Zach Ertz last year, which opened things up. I thought we were going to see a lot more from him last year. In the second half, he didn't really prove it. He didn't really prove that he was going to be anything special. So I think the name value, we've seen the stretches where Dallas Goddard's played really well. He's a dog on the field in real life. I just think with Jalen Hurts throwing about 3,500 yards this year and having to spread that out to Devontae Smith, uh, other receivers in the game, Quez Watkins, obviously A.J. Brown. Dallas Goddard don't really have a lot of upside. And Jalen Hurts ran an 8-10 to 10 touchdowns last year. Uh, he ran 10 touchdowns last year. Like, he threw for 16. That's only 26 touchdowns. There's not a lot of room for even touchdown and red zone potential there with A.J. Brown on the team, the run game. 
So to me, I'm out on Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz is a player that I really like. His ADP is a lot lower. It's been climbing up over the last few weeks, but it's a lot lower than Dallas Goddard. And I think his name value is somebody I'd rather have than Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz was one of the best tight ends in fantasy over the second half of last season. So when you couple that in the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is also going to be out for the first uh, for the first couple of games and that Kyler was looking his way towards the second half of last year. I think Zach Ertz can be one of those players that does really well for your fantasy team at the tight end position. You get them, you know, damn near at the back end of the uh, top top 10 rounds. So um, when I look at Zach Ertz, he's the type of player that when you draft him, just know that you also may want to look to trade him around week six, week five. People won't be thinking about it, but when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, um, his value is, is probably going to go a little bit lower. So I'm very high on Zach Ertz. I think he can produce. He'll get you about four or five catches a game, touchdown every other game. I like that. I like his productivity. But I do think he'll become a little bit more inconsistent once D-Hop gets back. So you got to remember that and factor it in too. Zach Ertz, great draft pick, especially at his ADP where you get him right now. But just temper your expectations midseason because things are going to change, especially they brought in Hollywood Brown. They talked about getting Rondell more and more involved. They run James Conner a lot in the red zone. Kyler Murray tends to run a lot in the red zone. So just be careful when it comes to Zach Ertz. I like the talent. I like the situation. It, to me, though, just be careful because midseason, his role could change, uh, could change very much. And then as I start to go on, you know, this is a whole different tier right here. I think those guys are all consistent when it comes to yardage, touchdown potential, high floor or high ceiling, one of the two out of those. Those guys all to me out after Darren Waller are their own separate tier. And then this kind of breaks up the next tier of like either very high yardage guys or very good touchdown guys or really, really high upside with the super low floor. And that starts off with Dawson Knox, who we saw have a really good stretch last year before he broke his wrist last year or whatever it was, broke something. And and Dawson Knox was among the league leaders in in touchdowns even at that point before he got hurt. So Josh Allen was looking at his his way in the red zone, and I don't see why that doesn't continue. Uh, Teams tend to use their linebackers to spy on quarterbacks, especially because we know that Josh Allen loves to run in the red zone. It's going to open things up for Dawson Knox again this year. His situation is going to be very similar. So I can see him being a very high touchdown guy and not as much when it comes to the yardage. So if you're looking at 500 to 700 yards receiving with anywhere the upside between eight to 10 touchdowns, more power to you get him as one of the last tight ends, starting tight ends to go in your draft. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on Dawson Knox, but if he's there and I can get him with that, and I've kind of faded the tight end position, Dawson Knox is a decent bet to at least finish in the top 10 tight ends on the season now for Pittsburgh Pat Fryermuth, right Pat Fryermuth is you know he's a guy that people love it's Muth baby Muth season I see it all the time on on TikTok online and he's exciting man he reminds me you know what I'm saying some of those younger guys when Kelsey was younger Gronk was younger he gets he gets me excited he gets the fans excited too um, but to me, I still I want to see a little bit more of it with the quarterback situation right now. Mitch Trubisky starting for the year right now. Kenny Pickett, I'm sure, is going to come in there at some point, either sooner or later. 
But we want to see it because there's a lot of mouths to feed with that Steelers team. Uh, Najee Harris is expected to, to be better his second year in the league. They just drafted George Pickens, who we've been seeing all summer long, all training camp, all preseason, doing his thing. Um, and then also Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. Like, the Steelers got a lot of weapons there. And for Pat Friermuth to be really, really relevant, he's going to need an uptick in his opportunity. I just don't see it happening. So could he have a better production in the red zone? Yes. I do think Pat Friermuth would be way, way better in the red zone, maybe somewhere in the eight-touchdown range. I could see him going. Yardage, I'm not sure he gets there. He's probably going to be very similar to Dawson Knox. And that's why I have him ranked right ahead and below of each other right there. So Dawson Knox, Pat Friermuth, very similar to me. But you can get Friermuth way later because of the quarterback situation. So I would probably take Pat Friermuth uh, after Dawson Knox. But Dawson Knox, if you're not reaching on him, you're not getting him anyway. So to me, I'm going Friermuth in that position. Mike Gusecki is a name now. Mike Gusecki... You know, we saw him kind of come to uh, fantasy prominence over the years, and he's, I mean, he's a dog, straight up. Like, they used him in the red zone last year. He was featured. But this team brought in some new weapons. Jalen Waddle last year, Tyreek Hill this year. And so the new offense coordinator, Mike McDaniel, we've seen him use his tight ends to block with George Kittle. But then he doesn't feature him as much as the red zone as they did in the past. So uh, when I look at the Niners setup, I look at Miami setup, it's very similar. Good tight end. Fast receivers who can be in the run game and in the passing game, Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill. So it's all there for them. The system's set up, but they're going to be a run-heavy team. And Tua, um, you know, unless Tua's thrown for 40 touchdowns somehow, he's not going to be able to make Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Gusecki, all the options there, all fantasy relevant. So I bumped them down a little bit. They've talked about his usage would be a little bit lower, and I can see that happening as well. So if you get Mike Gusecki, he's a tight end 12. You faded tight end position, and you're in a 12-team league. He's the best of the rest. He's the best kind of those guys that have been proven but not, uh, you know, but haven't shown it yet. So there's some other guys here with more potential. He's a safe guy, like safe guy with not a lot of upside. If you're looking at Mike Gusecki as your TE, it's okay if everything, if he's your top backup or maybe you faded the position. I'm not mad at getting Mike Gusecki. And starting after Mike Gusecki is a bunch of players who I think are talented, but I'm not wanting to start them. If that makes sense. Like if Noah Fan, David Njoku are my starting tight ends to begin the year, I would be a little concerned. These guys are very, very high upside though. Like Noah Fan, David Njoku, Hunter Henry, they're all upside, but they do have floors that they carry. And I'm talking about Noah Fan here. We've seen Noah Fan be very productive as a tight end. He's been injured a couple times, but he's for the most part when he plays, he's been effective. He's paired up with Drew Locke, who used to be his quarterback, unless Geno Smith starts. And so Either one of those quarterbacks is going to struggle this year uh, to get them to rock consistently. And so Noah Fant, he could be the future guy there. They were trying to feature the tight end with the Seahawks last year. Gerald Everett just didn't make it a thing. Um, but when you have the receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett there, there's so many, only so many balls to go around. And with Geno throwing or Drew Lock throwing, it just ain't happening. So uh, Noah Fant to me is a player that I'm not actively targeting, but I recognize his skill set and he's a very talented player. So um, well, no offense. I'm I'm not mad if you get him as a backup because he does have high upside. Just know that situation ain't good for him right now. It's not the situation you want to see for your starting tight end. So I would not have no offense as one of my starting tight ends. David Njoku. Now he just got paid uh, the bag. One of the top tight ends, paid tight ends in the league. Now, um, 
I am I'm in on this, man. Even with Jacoby Brissett starting, as I mentioned earlier, Deshaun Watson's gonna be out. I'm in on David and Joku. I feel like he could have uh, a really big season, especially with Jacoby Brissett throwing because Brissett leans on his tight end. So they just paid him. They want to get him involved in the offense. I think that's a very nice sleeper pick and probably my favorite out of this next little group here. I think he has the highest upside to really break out. Like if he was a top five to seven option, it would not surprise me at all this season. If he ended up somewhere in that 800 to 1,000 yard range, had like six, eight touchdowns, it would not surprise me if David Njoku had a very, very strong season. He has the build you want to see, athleticism you want to see. So if you went and got TJ Hawkinson or Dallas Goddard, Pair him up with David Njoku a few rounds later. I would feel very strong about it. He's going outside of the top 150 right now. You can get him super late in your drafts. He's a very low risk, high upside player because he's going to be featured, man. He he has all the tools that you want to see. Now, Hunter Henry to me, Cole Komet, those are guys that, you know, Hunter Henry is has, we know what he is. He's a touchdown dependent tight end and it's matchup based with the Patriots. So they've also talked about getting John Smith more involved. I don't know that that happens. I think Hunter Henry will be a red zone featured tight end. He's just super low on the yardage. So we talked about Dawson Knox earlier and Pat Fryermuth. He's even lower than those guys when it comes to receiving yards. So I'm out on Hunter Henry. I probably wouldn't draft him, but I would draft him ahead of Cole Komet, who uh, is probably the second option right now in that Bears offense. I just, I don't see the same thing that everybody else does when it comes to Cole Komet. I, I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's great. I don't like that situation in Chicago. Justin Fields needs to show me a little bit more, and it's just a tough place to, to rely on. So he's not a huge yardage guy. I don't see him being a huge touchdown guy. If he was around 705 touchdowns, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So unless he just somehow becomes the feature number two option on this, on this team, he's not going to be very fantasy relevant. Justin Fields is going to throw for 3,000 yards. There's not a lot of options there when it comes to him. So – I'm out on Cole Komet. He could be seen as a sleeper. It wouldn't surprise me now if, if he did get the number two role. It wouldn't surprise me if he climbed up that list, but I'm not betting on it. I'm out on Cole Komet. And then a forgotten tight end. Robert Tonyan was having a really good season last year with Aaron Rodgers before he got hurt and uh, kind of surprised a lot of people last year. He came out the blue. And again, it might happen this year. Like he was injured. And so a lot of people are fading in when he was a startable tight end last year. And so when he was healthy, you were able to start Robert Tunyon, and, and he was doing well. Now, Devontae Adams is no longer in Green Bay. So does this mean that there's more opportunity for touchdowns? Because I think so. Aaron Jones can't take them all. Alan Lazard can't take them all. Christian Rotten, Romeo Dubes, Sammy Watkins, they can't take all those targets from, from Devontae Adams. They're going to get spread out a little bit evenly, and Robert Tunyon was doing his thing last year. Don't forget so when I look at him, I think that he's a better option than some of these other guys left. Um, and I'm excited about Robert Tunyon. I think that he can have a, a strong year as a backup tight end for somebody's team. So if you know somebody gets hurt and he's sitting there on waivers, feel free to grab him. I think he's going to be a strong player. And then this last tier is all dart throws, like literally all dart throws. I'm not sure how any of these guys will be fantasy relevant, um, but they might. Like Gerald Everett to me in the situation, there's a lot of people that like the situation with Herbert. Herbert historically hasn't really gone to his tight end, so I'm not really sure on him. I, I'm probably fading Gerald Everett. Logan Thomas is somebody I would get just because he has touchdown upside. We don't know if he's even going to play. He's fully healthy. He's on PUP right now, so I'm not even sure he's going to play to start the season. Albert O, I'm not a big fan of Albert O. Russ doesn't really target his tight end. I know he's 6'6 and 260 or whatever it is, but I'm not buying Albert O. It's just somebody who's going to come on. If I think if he was going to, going to be relevant, he would have been relevant last year. He would have beat out Noah Fant last year. 
and he didn't. I, coming into this year, I'm not really sold on Albert O being the guy that went and drafted Greg Dolchich uh, out of UCLA. So to me, I'm not buying into the same thing everybody else was with Albert O. I could see him having 504, 505, like, and that to me is not a startable tight end. So unless you just think Albert O is going to do something crazy, I would steer away from him. Let him prove you wrong because he could probably be on waivers after the first first week of the season. Uh, Irv Smith's another player. A lot of people are talking about Irv Smith because of the new offense that they're going to be in. But Irv Smith has done the same thing every year. I, I'm not buying the upside there. Evan Ingram to me has upside, but he hasn't been very good. Uh, Jacksonville, Doug Peterson's featured the tight end on multiple occasions. So I would actually, while we're here, I'm going to bump Evan Ingram up over Irv Smith, up over Alvaro O, and up over Logan Thomas. I'll put Evan Ingram there just because I feel like he has more potential than those guys if everything hits. Evan Ingram's going to have all the opportunity in the world. Now, if he catches the ball or not, it's a whole different story. So they've got Dan Arnold there as well. I'm not excited about Dan Arnold, but I am excited about Evan Ingram if everything works out. Down here, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby, Brevin Jordan, Kyle Rudolph, they're all just low upside guys. Backups, if anything happens to your tight end, fill in the, ba the bye weeks. If you're in a 25-team league, go ahead and take them, but none of these guys have fantasy relevance. They're all going to be mid, mid, mid. Then I got some guys down here, same thing, C.J. Uzoma, Cameron Bray, mid, Kate Auden, uh, rookie, not really too sure on him. Jelani Woods has a lot of upside if he gets a chance to start or play later this year. Um, I don't see it happening this year, but in Dynasty, it's a name to look out for, him and Kate Auden. And then Greg Dolchitz, as I mentioned um, earlier, uh, just an option to look for. They've been talking about getting him involved now that Tim Patrick was hurt. So I'm not sure he's the replacement, but just something to note there when it comes to the tight end position. So Hopefully that was helpful as far as these tiers. I didn't break them down into actual tiers, but like where you can draft your elite guys, the guys who you know can perform, and then you have some question marks, some upside guys, and then just some dart throws later on too. So hopefully that was helpful for the tight end position. Like I said, I love David Njoku. I feel like he's probably my favorite sleeper out of the bunch. And uh, let me know what you guys think in the comments. You guys like those tiers? You like my rankings? We moved Evan Ingram up mid-conversation. Mid let me know your thoughts. And then the last thing for today, I'm going to get into one question I had come in. Uh, this one was on TikTok, actually. And this section is called uh, This Just In. And so with This Just In, what we do is we ask, uh, I'm sorry, this one's called Ask Jahan. I'm doing so many things at once right now in my head. But this section is called Ask Jahan. And so Ask Jahan is a chance for you to ask questions. And on Twitter, you can ask directly. Ask Jahan with a three instead of an E. That will be the easiest way for me to answer your fantasy football start sit questions, redraft, dynasty questions. Easiest way for me to do it. So uh, this question came in actually a little bit earlier. Uh, to, it was yesterday. Um, and I had a chance to, to think about it. Reach on Dalvin Cook or Najee at pick six in a 12-man league. So in a 12-man league, um, you know, that's not really a reach. Both of those guys are very talented. Um, each of them have potential to be one of the top, top the top running backs in all of fantasy football. Like, I'm not concerned about Dalvin or Najee. Either of them could be RB1. With Dalvin, obviously, you got concerns about injury. He's been injured his last uh, – every year pretty much he's been in the league, missed about three games. And then with Najee, you got to worry about his efficiency. Will the line be too much for him to handle? He was inefficient as a runner last year. There's a lot of options on the Steelers. They got new quarterbacks. So I'm I'm good, though, with any of those guys. Najee is going to touch the ball 350 to 400 times. And Dalvin Cook, when he plays, has been top – even with missing games, has been number two, number three running back 
number 10 running back. Like, I'm not really concerned about any of those guys. So at pick six, I don't feel like that's a reach. Get the guy you want. Both Najee and Dalvin have the potential to be more than that. And they're both safe picks. They're going to get the work you want to see. So I'm all in on those guys. And actually, as we've been sitting on here, got a few questions coming in on Twitter. So uh, one of the questions coming in from Cody, my guy, Smash Hit Sports, baby. Um, he's asking a question about Alec Pierce. This is, how do we feel about Alec Pierce? Is he worth a late first? And I like Alec Pierce, but I don't think he's worth the late first. I think you can get him in the second round. There's other wide receivers, and this is for dynasty purposes. Are you looking at him as a late first round pick? And although I think the talent is there, I think the situation is going to be different with Michael Pittman being the dog there. Alec Pierce has a little bit of upside to be a higher end wide receiver, but to me, I think you can get some other guys. Pickens was falling around that range earlier, but now he's not. To me, he's more of an early second round candidate. I like the upside with Pierce, but I think that there's some better upside. I'd rather have some of the running backs in this class than Alec Pierce, like a Rashad White. He just he doesn't do it for me, man. I'm not sold on Alec Pierce, but shout out to the homie Smash Hit Sports. Cody, I'm going to see you tomorrow, my man. And then also, how well does Jameis do this year? The O-line scares me. And Jameis is somebody that I have been vouching for all, all offseason. I think a lot of people are concerned about the O-line, his injury, but they put weapons around him. And Jameis last year was among the top quarterbacks last season. He was one of the top quarterbacks last season before he got hurt. The team was doing well. He was performing well. And he, I mean, 14 touchdowns, three picks. He was he was playing at a very high level. And you can get him right now as like the QB 16, 17. He's not going to like the 11th, 10th round in a lot of drafts. So I'm buying Jameis Winston. If he had 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, it wouldn't surprise anybody. His projections right now in Vegas are like 3,600 yards and like 20 touchdowns. This Saints team is going to be better than that. Alvin Kamara will help him with the yardage. Michael Thomas will help him with the yardage. Chris Olave will help with the yardage. J uh, Jarvis Landry will help with the yardage. He has weapons at his disposal. And last year he was throwing to Marquez Calloway, Traquan Smith, Adam Troutman, uh, like guys that just weren't available, like they weren't good. He was throwing players that weren't good. So when I look at Jameis Winston setup, I'm all in on Jameis this year. I get him as my QB2 in most super flex leagues. And shit, I'm down to have him as my QB1 and even one quarterback leagues if I fade the position. So to me, I'm all in on Jameis Winston. Good question from my man, week one, Sammy Watkins, a.k.a. at Billy Buffalo on Twitter. So I'm going to make a short show today. Like I said, I have my guy ready to come in. He had his flight. I'll talk to my man next time. Ronnie, shout out to you in the gridiron ratings. But other than that, if you have any other questions, ask Jayhan on Twitter. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Awesome show coming with Cody from Smash It Sports. You better be here for that one.